today. Hare Krishna, welcome to all of you. Something special today. Today we're going to talk about the Cheta Guru. And the reason we're going to talk about it is we were talking about we were talking about um, how we have this guidance within. A few classes back we were talking about how we have guidance within. Remember that? And how Krishna consciousness or spiritual life is actually easy because of this guidance. And today I came across something that my godbrother Druta Karma had compiled. He compiled 14 pages about this Chaitanya Guru. And he, he was saying, we always talk about Siksha Guru, we always talk about Diksha Guru, but we, we don't talk a lot about Chaitanya Guru. So today we're going to talk about Chaitanya Guru. How does that sound? Sound exciting? I am going to clean my glass really which is an awkward time to clean it while you're looking at me, but we're going to do it anyway. Actually, no, we're doing it properly. That's <laughs> not that good. So this is going to be, um, I think, an interesting class. And you, did, you didn't hear what I said. I didn't have my microphone. We're going to be talking about the Cheta Guru. That's the plan for today's class. As a follow-up, to our discussion on the uh, Chaita Guru a few days ago on the guidance Krishna comes from, gets the guidance you get from within. So not a sequel to Monday's class, but a sequel to a previous class. And I had just come across a document I want to read from about this. But first we'll chant, if that's okay, with you. Krishna, Krishna, Hare, Hare.
When I'm looking at my video, it looks really unclear. Is it unclear to you? It looks strange. I'm, my trusted and reliable internet is not trusted and reliable. Unfortunately. Okay, so now, today I think it's going to be special. We're going to read some special things. Uh, I mean, if you can't see me well, but you can hear me, that's most important. I mean, it's nice to see devotees. Everything's good? Okay. So. This is an interesting document. We're not going to read everything in it, but we'll read highlights from it. 
in the documents, for those of you who <coughs> just arrived at documents, things Prabhupada said about Krishna within our heart, and we had discussed that before, and now we have some things I want to read, and we will discuss, and the first one is from Bhagavad Gita 10.10. No, it can't be Bhagavad Gita. It's from the Bhagavatam. Mm. Where is it from? Doesn't say. This is the translation. Therefore, O great sage, please give me instruction on the transcendental devotional service of the Lord so that he who is situated in the heart of everyone, everyone will be pleased to impart from within knowledge of the absolute truth in terms of the ancient Vedic principles delivered only to those who were purified by the process of devotional service. So it's, um, it's similar to Prabhupada's prayer when Prabhupada was on the Jaladuta. He was saying, how, Krishna, how will these people understand? But you're in their heart, you can make them understand. Um, so now, sometimes um, devotees who, who are preaching, devotees who are teaching, devotees who are distributing books, they pray like this. Krishna, uh, you are in the heart of this person. Please direct them to understand what I'm saying, or please direct them and inspire them to take a book. And the same thing is being here. Um, you're in the heart of everyone. Um, I pray that you'll be pleased to impart from within knowledge of the absolute truth. So it's very similar. We recognize the super souls sometimes. We pray to the super soul, please help them understand. Please give them proper direction to follow the instructions that they're given. So that's nice. Not only <laughs> do we pray to the super soul, uh, please give me intelligence, we also pray. Please give others intelligence. Um, and this next reference is from this. It's a purport from third canto, fifth chapter, text four. In the purport, Prabhupada quotes Bhagavad Gita 1010, uh, Dadami Tam, I give intelligence by which they can come to me. And he says, the bhakti process, as performed under the regulative principles of vaidhi bhakti, or devotional service, following the prescribed rules and regulations, is defined by the revealed scriptures and confirmed by great acharyas. This practice can help the neophyte devotee rise to the stage of raga bhakti, in which, listen, the Lord responds from within as the Cheta Guru, or the spiritual master of superconsciousness. So, what Prabhupada's indicating here is the process of sadhana bhakti is meant to take us to raga bhakti. And at that point, or a certain stage of bhakti, then super soul is guiding you. Um, you may know there's a conversation. And Prabhupada was once asked, um, how do you how do you know how to instruct? How do you know how to manage? How to, and, he, and Prabhupada said, Krishna speaks. He, Krishna tells me. Or like, how do you know how to choose? I think I forget the question, but it was some question. How do you, how do you choose the temple presidents or something like that? And Prabhupada said, Krishna tells me directly. And then 
one of Prabhupada's disciples was there, and he thought that this this isn't exactly how it works, and this person would misunderstand. And he said, Krishna gives him intelligence. And Prabhupada interrupted, and he said, no, Krishna, he tells me directly. That's interesting, right? Prabhupada corrected him. No, Krishna's speaking. Now, you know, in a more neophyte stage, we might say, yeah, Krishna's giving intelligence. And then sometimes we wonder, well, was it Krishna giving intelligence or was it just my mind? But with Prabhupada, he said, no, Krishna's speaking directly. It's something like what's being described here. And, and so your spiritual master is instructing you. And when you're purified through his instructions, then you can hear directly the super soul within. And then in, in a sense... His his job is done in a sense that now you can hear Krishna within. That's the the great pleasure of the spiritual master when you come to that position. Um, this is from the third canto, ninth chant, chapter, text thirty-eight, purport. When a living entity desires to serve the Lord in transcendental loving service, the Lord helps the devotee in so many ways as the Cheta Guru or the spiritual master within. And thus the devotee can perform many wonderful activities beyond material estimation. By the mercy of the Lord, even a layman can compose prayers of the highest spiritual perfection. Such spiritual perfection is not limited by material qualifications, but is developed by dint of one's sincere endeavor to render transcendental service. Voluntary endeavor is the only qualification for spiritual perfection. So it, it is team, basically what's being explained here is that the process of devotional service is teamwork, but we have to be willing to take a step beyond our comfort zone or step out to do service maybe we think we're incapable of doing or try to achieve a state of Krishna consciousness maybe a little bit above what we think we can do. And then Prabhupada's saying, this is the spiritual process because super soul will empower with ability and intelligence according to our desire. And sometimes we're thrown into situations where we have to do some service we don't feel capable of doing. And we often pray, Krishna, please help me. But that should be the normal position. And we should always be dependent like that. And we shouldn't be afraid to step a little bit out of our comfort zone or far out of our comfort zone, knowing that Krishna will help us. And this is how we progress in devotional service. We we try to do a little austerity or a little uh, a difficult service, something we've never done before, and we put our hands up in the air and say, Krishna, I'm depending on you, and I know you will help me, and he, he helps. If, you know, sometimes someone might say, well, I, I did that and Krishna didn't help, but it's possible you try to do something that's impossible or virtually impossible, or you actually didn't have faith. You did it like... Um, as a textbook understanding, but you didn't really have faith, and then Krishna didn't reciprocate because of the lack of faith. So 
I often say you should test Krishna. Krishna promises he will do something. Why don't you test it? See if, if he holds his promise. But there has to be faith in that promise because if we don't have faith, then he's also true to his word because you didn't have faith in that promise. So reciprocation comes with faith in the promise. Then you execute with faith and then you see Krishna does help you. And pretty much that's how ISKCON began. People who had faith that in spite of any disqualification they may have or lack of qualification, Krishna would make up the difference. So it's there in Bhagavad Gita. If you lack something, I'll make up for it. And so that's that was how the movement spread around the world. It wasn't that devotees felt, I couldn't do this because I lacked material qualification. They thought, well, Prabhupada wants me to do it, so all I can do is make the effort with faith that Krishna will help. And so there wasn't this, like, what if I don't succeed mentality. There was more the mentality of, well, this is what Prabhupada wants, and if Krishna helps, we'll be successful, and I can only pray. And we were very successful, and we saw many miracles happening like that, because we we put ourselves out on the line, a, a bit in a helpless position, doing things we never did before. And so because we're in a helpless position, we saw Krishna coming to help us. It's like there was, you know, the, there was a gap, and we moved out from our comfort zone, and then there was a gap, and then Krishna filled the gap and supported us. I'll read a little more, and then... Yes. Okay. I'm going to read a while. Usually, I have to say something controversial before, or or very polarizing, or out of the box before we get a lot of comments. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I'm just commenting on what Prabhupada's saying. So, there may be nothing controversial today. We'll see. Um, this is this is from the fourth canto, eighth chapter, text forty-four. This is about Dhruva Maharaj. It is here recommended to Dhruva Maharaj that he meditate on the supreme guru or supreme spiritual master. The spiritual master is Krishna, who is therefore known as Chaita Guru. This refers to the super soul who is sitting in everyone's heart. He helps from within, as stated in Bhagavad Gita, and he sends the spiritual master who helps from without. The spiritual master is the external manifestation of the Chaita Guru, or the spiritual master sitting in everyone's heart. So the, the first point Prabhupada's making is Krishna is the Guru. Anytime, anytime we talk about the subject of Guru, you have to start, Krishna is the Guru, and everyone who, everyone who represents Krishna is Guru. That's what it means to be Guru. You're representing Krishna. You're representing what he teaches in parampara, in disciplic succession. So if you can represent Krishna through your spiritual master, repeating what your spiritual master and Krishna and the Shastras have said, then you're a guru. So then Prabhupada goes from Krishna is the guru to the Chaita guru. The guru, the guru is living within us. So then we have the spiritual master within. Krishna is the guru and then Krishna is within. Um, 
So, and then Prabhupada quotes the Gita, Dadami Buddha Yogam Tam, I give intelligence, by which you come to me. And, and then Prabhupada says, the Cheta Guru within, seeing that you want to advance in spiritual life, will send the Guru outside externally you will find a spiritual master. When the disciples ready, the guru will appear. So you'll find a spiritual master directed by the Cheta Guru. And I think all of us, all of us will have our, our stories about how we met devotees or how we found a book in a trash can or how, you know, we got in a car accident and it was with a devotee and he gave me a book. And, you know, it's just some, some very funny and sometimes amazing stories of, um, one devotee who was very frustrated, I think even suicidal, and he said, God, you know, show me, show me the truth. He was on his last thread, just kind of given up, and then like two hours later, knock, knock, knock. Hey, we're distributing books. Here's a Bhagavad Gita. You know, So we all have stories like that. And so that's, that's proof of Cheta Guru. Cheta Guru not only instructs from within, but he arranges through the hearts of others to f fulfill our needs, our spiritual needs. And we still see that. It happens all the time. Doesn't it? You know, something happens, somebody says something, not even, not even a devotee, but someone else may say something. And, and, Think, yeah, that's what I needed to hear. Just some person on the street or something. <laughs> Sometimes it happens like that. You're walking through the airport and there's a book and there's some title. And you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I need to understand right now. We take that as super soul or, you know, something like that. Okay, this is from the fourth canto, 21st chapter, text 36. Mm. This is Maharaj Prithu speaking. Mm. There is specific mention of the word guru, which indicates the Supreme Personality as Cheta Guru. The Supreme Godhead in his Paramatma feature is present in everyone's heart, and he is always trying to induce the individual soul to surrender unto him and to engage in devotional service. Therefore, he is the original spiritual master. He manifests himself as spiritual master both internally and externally to help the conditioned soul both ways. Therefore, he has been mentioned herein as guru. So, guru means plural, two gurus. Um, Ex Krishna exists, obviously, <clears throat> and he exists as Paramatma. And then the interesting point here is what I like, which we should remember. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is a very nice statement. He is always trying to induce the individual soul to surrender unto him. And, in to, and to engage in devotional service. So what does that mean? 
he's always trying to induce. But what it means is we're not always tuned into the channel. So Krishna's Krishna's channel as super soul is inducing us to become Krishna conscious, giving us intelligence how to do it. Everything everything we need, yoga kshemam, baham yaham, I'll give you what you need, what, uh, whatever you lack, I'll give you. Tadami buddhi yogam tam, yena mamu payantite, I'll give you intelligence so you can come to me. And so many other shlokas. Uh, I can be known, bhaktyamama bhijananti, I can be known by bhakti. You do bhakti, you will know me from within, I will reveal. So, then the natural question would be, well, if that's the case, why do I, Why would I ever have any trouble in Krishna consciousness? Why would there be anything other than inspiration and dedication and, and pure consciousness? And why would there be any difficulty? Because there are other channels also that are speaking to us. And we're not always tuned into the Krishna channel. So when Prabhupada's saying Krishna is always trying to guide us, but then we look at the world and we see that so few people are Krishna conscious. But one thing we do see is, even though people are not completely Krishna conscious or God conscious, there's still a lot of God consciousness out there. And I think one of the fundamental proofs of what Prabhupada is saying is that for most of us, when we became devotees or when we first started hearing the philosophy, we thought, oh yeah, I've I've understood these things, or we could relate to these things. That, that some in some way we've articulated it before, or some way it resonated with us. That means Krishna was already guiding us because to become a devotee, that guidance has to be there. Otherwise, when you hear the philosophy, it won't resonate. So, but some people are more tuned into it and they take it further, and some people are trying to dampen it because they're still trying to be God. And if that desire to be God's too strong, then they can't hear God saying, don't try to be God, just try to be my devotee. So those of us who were ready for Krishna consciousness were already hearing that voice. And that voice is what we need to continue to hear. Isn't it? That's the voice we need to continue to hear because that's the voice that's going to help us. So the more we can connect to that voice, the better. And the only reason we don't connect to it is because we don't want to surrender, or we don't want to hear that voice saying, come to me, love me, serve me. And we're thinking, do I have to? Really? Can I just love and serve myself? Krishna's saying, no, you won't be happy. We, we're not always hearing that voice. So Krishna says, okay, I'm telling you you won't be happy, but you're not listening, so I have to get the hammer out and knock you in the head a little bit. Create some problems for you. Then you'll understand. I think, I think um, problems are one of the greatest gifts Krishna gives us. Because when we're too foolish to understand Krishna's words, he creates a problem so we can look back and say, oh, I was thinking like this, or I acted like this, and as a result, 
it created problems or it created some difficulty for me, difficulty for others, or even suffering. And then we think, okay, I have to note this because I didn't note it. I understood it, I knew it, but it really, it really didn't register. I wasn't really listening to the super soul. Now I got hammered in the head. Okay, I got the message. It's clear now. I need. To, I, I will pay attention to this. And anytime I become allured by a specific form of maya for which I have suffered in the past trying to enjoy it or exploit it or get too close to it, I can remember the suffering that I had undergone in the proximity of this uh, desire or in, a, in, a, in, in an attempt to enjoy it, and that can be sobering, perhaps more so than a shloka, because the shloka doesn't hurt, but that experience hurt, and I remember that experience, and I think, I'm not going to do that again because that I suffered a lot. The shloka, you know, you have to be more evolved to hear the shloka and say, okay, yes. So that... That happens as you advance because you have less of a desire to imitate Krishna. And then you can hear Krishna guiding you. Now, another thing, this was a, a common theme, and it's a beautiful theme. And if you ever lead devotees, um, you should remember this. Many, many times Prabhupada asked devotees to do something, but he didn't give them details how to do it. And he would say, Krishna will guide you. And that was Prabhupada's, you know, unless he had specific managerial policies or, or specific policies, how he wanted something done, like this is how I want the books done. I don't want them done this way, I want them done that way. This is, this is how we have to organize the temples or legally organize this kind. Aside from that, those few things, and deity worship, of course, it wasn't specific. I mean, someone may come up with a few more, but let's at least say in, in general, or for general services, he would say, this is, you know, go open a temple. What do I do? How do I do it? I've never done it before. Be sincere, chant, follow the principles. Krishna will give you intelligence. So that was, that was the basic paradigm of Prabhupada's empowerment and encouragement. You know, you know, just go do it, Krishna. Be sincere. That's your qualification. Krishna will reciprocate with sincerity. So then this would answer the question, how, if Krishna's always trying to help me go back to Godhead and is trying to help me become more advanced, how do I hear it? More sincere, the more we tune into the station. And then when we're completely purified, then we're on that station, loud and clear, a strong signal, 24-7. That would be a nice day when that happens, right? Yes? Are you waiting for that day to come? Okay, I'm going to read a little more, and then we'll take your comments. Don't you find this interesting? This next quote is from... Actually, I'm reading where the quote's from, and I'm assuming it's referring to what I'm reading as opposed to the next one. <laughs> because I didn't write this. Yeah, I'm, yeah. 
It's referring to what I'm reading. So this is from the fourth canto, 22nd chapter, text 37. When we rightly take the direction of the supersoul, our life becomes successful. He is directing from within and from without. From within, he is directing as Chetaguru, or the spiritual master sitting within the heart. Indirectly, he is also helping the living entity by manifesting himself as the spiritual master outside. In both ways, the Lord giving directions. In both ways, the Lord is giving directions to the living entity so that he may finish up his material activities and come back home, back to God. And so now, Prabhupada becomes more specific. He said, Krishna is within and he's guiding and he's speaking. So, what is he saying? Here, Prabhupada is saying, he's giving directions how to finish up material activities. So what does that mean? Giving directions. How to become detached, how to advance, how to perfect your chanting, how to perfect your service, how to deal with devotees, like everything. Every it's like it's like everything you need to become Krishna conscious. If if you're sincere, if we're sincere, Krishna will give it. How should I deal with devotees to have good relationships? How can I improve my sadhana? How can I understand Prabhupada? How can I understand his mission? How can I serve it? All these things will come. And specifically, as Prabhupada is referring here, he'll give instructions so that you won't have to take birth again. Wow. You know, we talk about that. Go back to Godhead in one lifetime, 16 rounds. And when you hear Prabhupada say, well, just chant 16 rounds, four principles, you go back to Godhead, naturally we think, well, there must be more to it than that. And actually there is more to it. And I think this purport is explaining that. That if you do that, the ramification of that is that you get guidance from Krishna. And then that's how you'll go back to Godhead. Because he's, as Prabhupada is saying, he'll guide you right out of the material world. He'll guide you how to finish up your material activities, come back home, back to Godhead. So, you know, I think sometimes when devotees hear the 16 rounds, four principles, they think it's like some some magic's going to happen my whole life. I'll be in Maya. And then at the end, because I chanted 64 rounds, uh, I chanted 16 at least every day, I'll miraculously just psh, be Krishna conscious the last moments of my life. That could happen, of course, anything can happen. But I think more accurately what Prabhupada means is that if you chant 16 rounds, follow the four principles. You're going to be so advanced that you're just being guided by Krishna. You're totally tuned into Krishna. Actually, I wrote an article about this topic. Tune in. It's called Tune Into Krishna. I guess it's in the Living of the Wisdom book, or maybe it's not, because we have a second volume to complete. But that was the idea. Okay. Let me read a few more. Just so we get to hear sufficiently from Prabhupada. It's like our Bhagavatam class. Actually, this started as a Bhagavatam class. We were just reading Bhagavatam. Then it evolved into thematic, thematic classes, which then um, we use different sources, not only Prabhupada's books. So today, this, we're hearing Bhagavatam. This is 42841. And it's, I always love to hear, I love to read Prabhupada's books 
on a particular topic, because usually you hear about a particular topic in a purport, and then the next purport may be another topic, and the next purport may be another topic. But when you hear just about one topic, you get a very good understanding of it. Also because not everything Prabhupada says about one topic is exactly the same. There are nuances, even sometimes apparent contradictions. So if we read everything that he said, we get this complete picture and really understand it much better. So this is from 42841. The Lord is the super soul, seated in everyone's heart. And he acts as the Cheta Guru, the spiritual master within. However, he gives he gives direct instructions only to the advanced pure devotees. In the beginning, when a devotee is serious and sincere, the Lord gives him directions from within to approach a bona fide spiritual master. When one is trained by the spiritual master, according to the regulative principles of devotional service, and is situated on the platform of spontaneous attachment for the Lord, Raga Bhakti, the Lord gives him instruction from within. So, um, this is interesting. So he's saying before, before you get direct instruction, Krishna guides you to the Guru. And then the Guru guides you through his instructions back to the super soul within. But of course, at every stage we're getting direction from the super soul. But Prabhupada's referring here to on the stage of Raghavakti, you get direct instruction. Here's a, let me read one more and then we'll take some of your comments and questions. This is from 42852. One who is sincere and pure gets an opportunity to consult with the Supreme Personality of Godhead in his Paramatma feature, sitting within everyone's heart. The Paramatma is always the Cheta Guru, the spiritual master within, and he comes before one externally as the instructor and the initiator spiritual master. The Lord can reside within the heart and he can also come out before a person and give him instructions. Yeah, so the idea is we need instructions from without. But sometimes the instruction from within, even for an infight devotee, is very strong. And sometimes there's the intuition is very strong. And that intuition, Prabhupada said, is super soul directing. And of course, that intuition doesn't have to direct you to Krishna. It can direct you away from Krishna if that's what you want. <laughs> you know? It's like intuition is... Um, and super soul guidance is, is interesting because if you say Krishna is giving guidance, it sounds like a very spiritual process, but it doesn't have to be. You know, Prabhupada said Krishna gives intuition to the animals how to eat, sleep, mate, and defend. So, you know, that intuition's there also. Intuition how to protect yourself. Sometimes people say, you know, um, I had an intuition it wasn't safe to go down the street, and uh, it proved that it wasn't safe. They didn't know. They had no information. But it proved to be unsafe. But they just had intuition. So, according to one's need and desire, Super Soul will also give 
intuition. And um, I was at a lecture and Prabhupada was talking about this or a similar topic and he made a joke and he said that there's a thief out on the prowl and he's looking for a house in which he can steal. And he's praying to God, send me to the house where I can steal, you know, where they have something valuable and I can show me that house and you know, the house I can get in that has something valuable, show it to me. And then the people in the house are praying to God, please protect me from any burglars that would come to my house. So Prabhupada was laughing and he said, now God is perplexed. How is he going to satisfy both people? But if we say super soul gives direction, he also gives direction to the thief. He gives direction to the military men who are creating havoc in the world, as, as often happens in war, giving direction to them how to kill. So, but the Dhami Buddhi Yogam, that's different. Because buddhi yoga means yoga means to connect with Krishna. So buddhi yoga means intelligence to connect with Krishna. Otherwise, it's buddhi ayoga. It's intelligence to disconnect from Krishna. So you don't want buddhi ayoga. You want buddhi yoga. Buddhi ayoga is dangerous. Okay. So now I am going to go to your questions and comments. So Jyotirmayi has a good question. Can these instructions come also in a dream? How much do value dreams have? Um, Prabhupada said, um, not so much value. I think, I think the answer in a sense is obvious. If what comes in a dream is, is proper instruction, then you may want to take it that this is an instruction to follow. It, um, I think, I can't remember exactly, but I, I sort of remember Prabhupada saying, after the spiritual master leaves, you can take it as transcendental. While he's present, it may be, may not be. But to take every dream as transcendental and true could be dangerous. But if the instruction is valid, then however you get it, you get it. Now, in the lives of advanced devotees, often they got all their instructions from departed Vaishnavas or from Mahaprabhu through dreams. And we have a godbrother, <coughs> somehow he has got many instructions from Prabhupada through dreams. And I, when I hear the instructions, it, it sounds totally reasonable that this is Prabhupada speaking, at least from what I know of Prabhupada. So it can happen. But to assume it's transcendental, it's just because it's a dream of a transcendental personality, that could be dangerous. You could start a whole movement around your dreams. And I'm sure there probably are some religious movements. I think the Mormons are like that, or a vision had a vision, God came, this is what he said to me, start a new movement. I mean, Joe Termai, if you want to start a new movement, now you know how. You just say, I'm having these visions and dreams, and Prabhupada's telling me that the current ISKCON is no longer my movement, and I want you to start a new movement. 
and these are their principles. And you'll you'll get a few followers. There's always there's always people who believe it. And you know, hundred years from now, you'll have a the the first the first Krishna order of Jyotir Mais. The first church of Jyotir Mais Krishna order, yeah. Something like that. Then you'll have the Holy Name Church. And you'll have the First Order of Japa Chanter's Church. And the Hare Krishna Reform Church. The Hare Krishna Conservative. The Hare Krishna Liberal, yeah. And they all might be dreams of somebody. Or Prabhupada was telling them in a dream. Or convictions that Prabhupada is telling them. So it's, <laughs> it can be dangerous. And you're looking at me and thinking, oh... It's not like that. No, if you study history, it is like that. Very much like that. That's how new religious movements start. You know, people believe that this reformer is direct communion. But for you personally, if you get an instruction that's valuable, why not take it wherever it comes from? Dream or real life? But if it's questionable, then my answer is that just because it comes in a dream, don't think, well, because it came in a dream, it must be like mystically transcendental. Not necessarily. Um, I read this recently from a devotee who is distributing Bhagavad Gita and other books in Hungary. I was going door to door. A lady opened the door and I showed her books. She invited me in and said she would get a donation for me. I was astounded at what I saw in her house. There's a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ, two and a half meters high. It's about seven feet tall. I was awed. It was so nice. The lady returned and saw me appreciating the picture. She said, I think you will understand what I'm going to tell you since you like this picture so much. Two years ago, Jesus came to me in a dream and said, you should be vegetarian, otherwise you won't be able to understand God. Wow. I was shocked that he came in a dream and instructed me in that way. But it was so clear I became vegetarian. Then three days ago, he came to me and said, in three days, a monk is going to come to you with books. Take them, and now here you are, right on time. Oh, my God. Um, is this an actual story, or is this a Hollywood movie? She bought all the books I had. I was so happy to hear this, that Jesus is with us. <laughs> Hare Krishna. That's amazing. You know there's another story. I don't know if it's true, but this is what we're told. During a time when our movement was having trouble, in New Vrindavan, a lady went to visit the Palace of Gold, and she was there alone, and she heard a voice that said, Take my shoes. And she's looking around, and again, the voice, take my shoes. So she understood Prabhupada was telling her. And then, like a year or two later, she had a dream and said, take my shoes back. Like the problems were cleared up. Anyway, that's what we were told. We can't limit Prabhupada. And, you know, who he chooses to reveal himself to, you know. Then you're hearing the story of Jesus coming to this lady and thinking, well, why, why am I not having these dreams? Maybe, maybe you're doing fine. You don't need them. <laughs> Jayanitai says why does Krishna let his devotees suffer more than non-devotees interesting things I have seen that people abandon 
the person who is suffering? Those two questions. Yeah. Do devotees really suffer more? What do you mean, suffer from lack of sense gratification or suffer lack of material facility? I think sometimes devotees suffer because they neglect, <laughs> they actually neglect themselves. It's not that Krishna wants them. So all the non-devotees, they have good jobs and they have nice homes and cars and look at the devotee, yeah, was, yeah, look at the devotee, he has no money. Yeah, well, that's because he's not working. Yeah, it was his choice. So, you know. If you make that choice not to work, you're going to have to live a different lifestyle or make a choice not to work much or so forth and not to go back to school and get educated so you can get a good job, which I'm not making a judgment on that. I'm just saying sometimes we make decisions which we feel are best for our spiritual life but have implications materially, financial implications being one of them. Um, the other point you're making is that people... Um, People who are suffering or abandoned, it, it, it's true. Human nature, we like beautiful people, healthy people, young children, healthy. Old people are not so attractive, especially if they're suffering. I think it may also be a symptom of this age. That the more self-centeredness there is, the more society will reject older people reject people who are sick. And that's that's all predicted in Bhagavatam. Prabhupada even said there's a cannibal civilization that when a, the grandfather is old, they'll kill him and feast on him. Imagine that. Hare Krishna. So, mercy is, mercy was around in the last age, but this age, Mercy is very small. That's why mercy is so important. Um, to spiritualize society, there has to be mercy and compassion. And it's one of the legs of dharma that's not standing well. So what you say is true. And I guess we can say that's a wake-up call for us to look at how um, how much we can get out of our own comfort zones to help others. And that's what Prabhupada wanted us to do. Okay. Christy, I had these experiences when I was 21. I dreamt I was somewhere in a space and saw Paramatma glowing in front of my front of me saying something very important. It will be when I turn 25. That time I knew nothing about Krishna consciousness. When I was 25, I got into Krishna consciousness and only remembered about this. Well, super soul. That's amazing. Chinese Thai, I was talking with a devotee yesterday who believes if we cannot seek spirituality within, then how can chanting help a devotee to advance? He further said he was in Gurukul and still does not see humble tolerance himself. How to answer? I have to read this again. I think um, I think what he's referring to is that you can practice Krishna consciousness with no result unless 
like we're saying here, unless you sincerely want to advance, unless you're introspective, and there may be other things that he's referring to that are necessary. Otherwise, it's mechanical. And if it's mechanical, then after so many years, these, these characteristics that we brought in, the material contaminations, the anarthas, the samskaras, they're not really going away. I think that's what he's referring to, and it's true. If, you know, I, I guess we could say that they, they are going away, but not significantly if one is not significantly advancing. And well, the primary quality of a devotee is his surrender to Krishna, Guru and Krishna. So sometimes someone's very surrendered, so he is advanced. But on, on the other level, in terms of developing the 26 qualities, he's lacking. But still he's surrendered, so that's a good sign. That, that is a sign, to some degree, that the chanting is working. But it's also perhaps a sign that execution of the process is not yet perfect. That's a thought. I think that's what he means. And it's, it's true. Mechanical execution, niyamagraha. Doing it without consciousness, proper consciousness. Proper understanding, proper mood. Then, yeah, it's kind of mechanical. Victoria says, I wanted to share my happiness. I just ordered all three books. <laughs> three of my books. Oh, no. Your happiness is just beginning, Victoria. <laughs> Thank you. Um, question. Srila Prabhupada one time said, do not change anything in this process. What about any reformations in our movement? Yeah, well, definitely he said don't change anything with deity worship. And don't, you know, you can't change anything in his books so that he ends up saying something he didn't say. But then you have um, adaptations that Prabhupada talks about in his books about adaptations. And he gives the example that when he came to America, he saw that the American culture was so much different than Indian culture that he couldn't he couldn't enforce standards they had in India, especially on mi uh, mixing of the sexes. So they had no Brahmacharini ashrams in India, but Prabhupada created them. And he gave service to the women. It normally wasn't done in India. So you're not changing anything, you're just adapting. So I think we need to distinguish between adaptation and changing. And so when Prabhupada wrote those purports, he said, he said, well, the principle is to spread Krishna consciousness. So that's not going to change. That's an eternal principle. Compassion, mercy, giving people Krishna. That's what all the acharyas have done. But how you do that, you have to adapt to the culture and the circumstance you're in. And Prabhupada said that, adapta that adaptation was why he was successful. And he had criticized the people who were criticizing him who were saying you shouldn't have made that adaptation. And Prabhupada said, well, they, they didn't make any adaptation, but they weren't successful or weren't very successful in their preaching. 
So that was his counter-argument, that if you make the adaptation and it makes devotees, and the goal is to make devotees, and you haven't changed your principles, you're not compromising the four principles, you're not compromising any of those principles, then that's how you become successful. So, some things you can't adapt because they're eternally meant to be a certain way. And some things you can adapt and some things you must adapt because they'll be, you won't be successful if you don't adapt them. They'll be outmoded if people don't think that way. It's kind of like I say, it's like you probably wouldn't do well if you opened a shop that sells typewriters unless they were really old antiques and collectibles. But if you were selling typewriters, um, we have computers. So the adaptation is now sell computers. Or, you know, like Kodak was a film company. And when the world went digital, they didn't believe that it was necessary to go digital with them. And they practically went out of business because they didn't make that shift. And business, everyone who's a good business person knows that you always have to look at how society is moving and, and make adaptations before, before it actually happens. So you're ready for the changes when they happen. So, so the thing is, Prabhupada talked about it in his books, not only in one place, in many places. And specifically in relation to the service of women, because in India... They didn't do the services that the, his female disciples were doing. So he actually talked about it because he was being criticized. Prabhupada was even criticizing, criticized for making us Brahmins. And he had to talk about that also. So was that a change? No, that was an execution of the philosophy. It might have been a change from norms at some time in India. But it was not a change from Vaishnava principles. So that's also, you know... Sometimes you're saying you're changing. Yeah, but I'm not changing Vaishnava principles. I'm just changing what was a norm that may be the wrong norm or a norm that has no utility. So does that, I hope that answers your question. We could say more on that, but if that didn't answer your question, then you can ask again. Tanya says, I heard... That story about Srila Prabhupada's shoes in New Vrindavan, but I couldn't find any mention of the incident on the internet. Be wonderful to know the source of the story. Uh, do you want to do some investigation? <laughs> Search the stories and tell us what you find? How about that? What do you think, Tanya? Possible? <laughs> um, okay, now we have time to read. Hmm. Sometimes we don't know if a story is true, but at the same time, we can't deny. We might we might say, I don't know if this actually happened, but at the same time, we can't deny that something of that nature could have happened uh, because things of that nature have happened in different circumstances. Generally, the dreams come 
from the guru to disciple, and generally it's the disciple that is very advanced. And the guru will come and speak directly. But that's that's common. The Krishna may want to use somebody. And like if that devotee who told the Sankirtan story has no reason to make it up. And that lady must be very sincere, must have been praying sincerely. Of course, when I heard that story, I was thinking, well, if this is true, you would think that would happen quite a lot. Jesus would be appearing, appearing more often. Uh, I don't know. Maybe she's special. So Tanya's going to report, do some research. She's good at research. Um, okay, should we read some more? We still have time. And maybe it will spark some other questions. Hmm. I'm not reading everything, but some things are underlined, so I'm reading that. This is from Adi Leela 158. It is not possible for a conditioned soul to directly meet Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But if one becomes a sincere devotee and seriously engages in devotional service, Lord Krishna sends an instructing spiritual master to show him favor and invoke his dormant propensity for serving the Supreme. The preceptor appears before the external senses of the fortunate conditioned soul, and at the same time the devotee is guided from within by Chaitaguru Krishna, who is seated as the spiritual master within the heart of the living entity. So there's some repetition here, just to make the point. Um, sometimes, sometimes if we read something that Prabhupada said, we might think, okay, that sounds good, that sounds interesting, that sounds powerful. But we might think, where else does he say that? Because if he just says it once, it brings up the question, well, is this an eternal fact? Is this a side point? Why did Prabhupada only say this once? What does it mean? What else do we need to understand about this? What's the context? Like that. So when you get more, it's just, okay, this is, this is clear. Prabhupada keeps saying this over and over again. Plus, with our bad memories, we can hear it over and over before we get it. This is Majjha 2247. Krishna is situated in everyone's heart as the Cheta Guru, the spiritual master within. When he is kind to some fortunate conditioned soul, he personally gives him lessons so he can progress in devotional service, instructing the person as the super soul within and the spiritual master without. So if we were to come up with a sub-theme for the quotes we're reading now, the sub-theme theme is, if you're sincere, you will be guided by the super soul. He will guide you to the association you need. He will guide you to the guru you need. <clears throat> Sometimes devotees ask me, well, how do I find a guru? And some, you know, I can give practical, I can give practical suggestions, you know, so many gurus listen, to, go on the internet, listen. Of course, they'll, then they'll say, well, how do I know which one? But I think perhaps 
a more fundamental answer is just be sincere. Then through your sincerity, then Krishna will arrange to find a guru who can help you the best, inspire you the most, and also help you understand if this person is someone you can surrender to, someone you can follow. So, how do I find a guru? Be sincere. I think that's the best instruction. Okay, then this is from... Madhyalila, chapter 22, text 48. Oh, my Lord, transcendental poets and experts in spiritual science could not fully express their indebtedness to you, even if they were endowed with the prolonged lifetime of Lord Brahma. For you appear in two features, externally as the Acharya and internally as the Supersoul, to deliver the embodied living being by directing him how to come to you. So it's not just the external guru. It's, it's um, they work together. And when we fall in Maya, we also fall away from the guidance of the super soul or, or the guide, the booty yogam. We don't get, we get booty yogam. If we fall away, we get booty yogam, guidance hell not to connect with Krishna. Okay, this is from Isopanishad Mantra 11. This is a lecture. In Chaitanya Charitamrita, it is said, by the mercy of the spiritual master and the mercy of Krishna, one enters into this devotional service. How is that? The mercy is parallel line. If you have not found out a spiritual master, but if you are sincere, then Krishna will take you to a bona fide spiritual master. See? Confirmed. And if you get a bona fide spiritual master, then he will take you to Krishna. So both things are parallel. Parallel. Or you're from New York, parallel. By the mercy of Krishna, you get Guru. By the mercy of Guru, you get Krishna. If you are sincere, Krishna is always sitting within your heart, Chaita Guru, the spiritual master within the heart. That spiritual master within the heart manifests himself externally as a spiritual master. Sakshadhari Tvena Samastha Shastra Muktashtata Bhavyata Ibasadbir. Again, sincere. Sakshat, directly, directly representative of Krishna. This is the verdict of all Shastras. Samasta means all Shastras. Sakshadhari Tvena Samastha Shastra. And it is not only stated, but it is accepted by such great personalities. Yeah. So Guru is the representative of Super Soul. Okay. Shikarshani says, sometimes devotees do so much practical service they don't have time to do internal work. I'm wondering what is better. 
ability to do a lot of practical service that is needed to be done. <laughs> have no time to think <clears throat> or do less with good consciousness. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, and second question, is doing service without being conscious have any benefit? Well, the first question, there's a fallacy there because you're juxtaposing two things, that if I do more service, I'll be less conscious. And not necessarily true. So the, the proper answer would be to do, continue your service and be more conscious. And the assumption is, because of the service, I'm less conscious. No. If you have no time for hearing and chanting because you're doing so much service, yeah, that's what you mean. You may become less conscious. And sometimes, sometimes for a short time, that's true. We have to do that. But um, that's sometimes temporarily, yeah. But in terms of long term, we shouldn't. We should minimize our service, but we shouldn't compromise our consciousness. And maybe we are doing too much service that we have no time to think, as you say, or no time to hear and chant. So that's not good. There's a balance. There's a balance there. Morning, morning program, if you actually attend the morning program in most temples, it's around four hours. So you're giving yourself four hours of sadhana every day. And then if you read half hour, hour, two hours, then you're up between four and a half and six hours a day. And for me, I read two, three hours. Saturday, I read seven hours. So I was putting a lot of time into studying. I think that's important. Uh, um, if we stop thinking, it's not good. So this plays into your second question. Is doing service without being conscious have any benefit? Yeah, but it's a little bit like chanting without any conscious. It has benefit. But it's like taking a medicine and the medicine says, take it on an empty stomach, you take it on a full stomach. Does it have benefit? Yeah, not as much. Something like that. So should I, I, if I take the medicine on an empty stomach, I get nauseous, okay. So should I stop taking the medicine? No, don't stop. Then take it after you eat. It's better than nothing, but it's not ideal. It's not going to work the same, something like that. So, you know, you don't want to stop doing devotional service because you're not doing it correctly. But the proper answer is you want to start doing it correctly, right? Yeah, uh, Krishna Karshan says, I love what you're always saying. If you want to be looking for a guru, first become a good disciple. <laughs> yeah, that's another answer I give. How do I know <laughs> which guru is more is more advanced or, you know, this and that? Or how do I know if he's Krishna conscious? And I say, <laughs> why don't you worry if you're, why don't you worry if you're qualified to be a disciple before you worry about who's qualified to be your guru? Because if you find a qualified guru and you're not a qualified disciple, that doesn't help you at all. So better you become qualified so when you find a qualified guru, at least now 
that qualified guru can have a qualified disciple. Dandelion tea. A little bitter. Okay. Radha Priya says, How accurate, accurate are the instructions that a devotee receives in a dream? Could he assume like an order? No. You know, when Prabhupada answered this question, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, I have 50 books that I've given you, so why... You know, don't worry about what you get in a dream because who knows? Who knows <laughs> if that instruction is valid? But you know from my books it's valid. So that was his general approach. You know, Prabhupada was instructed to take sannyas. So he went to his godbrother and told him I had this dream. One of his godbrothers said, yes, you must take sannyas. If you want to preach, you must take sannyas. So it was a confirmation. Yeah, this is actually what Bhakti Siddhanta wants. So sometimes you can. You can discuss. I mean, you know, you could always say, Guru Maharaj, I had this dream. In this dream, you said that I should do this. Is this what you want me to do? Well, that's one way to find out. When your Guru Maharaj goes, then you can't ask him. But then you can. You can try to understand if this aligns with everything else he said. And that's important. You know, when your spiritual master leaves, then some disciple is going to say he said this, and some disciple is going to say he said that, which is different. And then say, well, let's look at everything he said about it, and so we can kind of get a consensus or deeper understanding. It's a bit like that. You know, if, you, if you know the heart of your guru, then if you do get an instruction in a dream, you'll know whether that was just your imagination or something more transcendental. Right? Yeah. If devotees are overworked with service, there's generally two reasons. The... The leaders are just giving them too much service. And the second reason is they're accepting too much service. They, they just want to do so much that they don't have any time. I have a third reason, Krishna Karshini, and I think, I think some devotees don't like sadhana. So they just pile themselves up with service and it's kind of like the subtle excuse for not having good sadhana. Well, I don't have any time. Because they actually didn't want to, so they just gravitated towards service. And I think subconsciously they just fill their day with service. So now it becomes a good excuse. I can't say everybody's like that who has a lot of service, but I think some, maybe. And we have a question from Priyam Buddha. Oh, before I forget, tomorrow we're having a special class, which I think is going to be extremely interesting. And it's going to be a lot. It's going to be. I think it's going to be a lot about issues in the Grihasta Ashram, like all, all kinds of issues. And um, I'm going to answer the questions in terms of 
the culture and the context of current society and how we're getting affected by it and and how it's becoming more difficult to follow Prabhupada's instructions because we're being so strongly influenced by the current culture and the way we think and feel and believe. But it's going to be at 6 a.m. Radha Priya, did you advertise that? It's going to be from like 6 to 8 a.m. because it's corresponding with a group in Russia that has regular classes at this time. So I just wanted to mention that. Okay. Um, Prambadha Murali Dharam. That's not a South Indian name. I don't know what is. Okay. What does real sincerity look like or feel like? Because I could simply be going through the motions externally without actually being conscious of the right attitudes. Or is it a... Or is it about what we truly want to be? Yeah, that's part of it, what we want to be. You know, if you if you study Prabhupada's definition of sincerity, I think it kind of becomes a common sense answer uh, for for the word in general as it would be applied to anything. So let's say I sincerely want to become something. So what does that mean? Sincerely, it means that I'm I'm dedicated to that goal, honestly endeavoring to achieve it. I'm not allowing myself to be distracted. I'm not trying to compromise to get my goal. I'm going to go through the proper processes. And and when you add bhakti into it, then you talk about motivation. Because, because outside of bhakti, people may be sincere, but their motivations will be personal. I want to win this race. I want to achieve this position. So they're sincere about it. They'll work hard for it. They'll be dedicated to it. But when you add bhakti, then the sincerity is that I'm, I'm doing this because it's right, I'm doing this to please Guru. I'm doing this to please Krishna. I don't have other motives. So when Prabhupada talks about sincerity, you know, amongst other things, he's basically talking about not having other motives. I'm not doing this to get something material. That's sincere. Um, I, I'm willing, like we were saying in the beginning, I'm willing to step out of my comfort zone to execute an order of my Guru. That's sincerity. Because one time Prabhupada was saying <clears throat> that if his god-brothers were sincere, they would have spread Krishna consciousness in the West. In other words, <clears throat> they would have stepped out of the comfort zone to do the quote-unquote impossible. It's also a sign of sincerity. I want to please my guru. I want to do what he wants. And I sincerely try. So Prabhupada, you know, he often would talk about trying sincerely, not necessarily succeeding but sincerely trying, making your best effort. So I'm truly trying to please Guru and Krishna. I'm trying to please Prabhupada. I'm trying sincerely, honestly, to become Krishna conscious without any other motivation. That's what it means. Okay, so 
Um, Rudapri is going to make the post on Facebook so that you can get the link. Well, it'll also go on my Facebook page. 6 a.m. So that's 6 a.m. means <clears throat> two hours earlier than this class started. So if you're in Europe, obviously no problem. Or yeah, it's a good time for most people. <clears throat> Not so great <clears throat> in America, but in other places. Krishna Karshani says. I agree that a lot of practical service is sometimes an escape from sadhana. I'm guilty of that. It's a it's a good point. And everyone should if you ever come to this position where you say, I am so busy, I don't have time for sadhana, then my question to you would be are you actually trying to get an escape from sadhana? I'm cleaning my screen. It's so blurry, my picture. I'm wondering if just if I have a dirty screen, but usually it looks better than this. Hmm. You may be busy, be busy because you sincerely desire to serve. I'm not trying to say that's not true. But it also may be that we sincerely desire not to do sadhana and we just kind of unconsciously fill up our schedules so we're so busy if we don't start at five in the morning and go till midnight nonstop, which sometimes happens to me. Um, we have, uh, we won't finish our service and then all of a sudden the day goes, and what happened to my rounds? I had no time to chant. No, to me that means had no desire to chant because, as Prabhupada said, you know, that that never happens with prasadam. You never forget. I'm so busy I didn't eat. I mean, it happens occasionally, but it's pretty rare. And it's usually like, well, I just forgot to eat, so I ate an hour later or two hours or I missed one meal. But not like I didn't eat the whole day. That's rare. Hmm. Yeah, there's a saying. I'm actually, Jyotir Mai says, they say, um, if you don't have a half an hour to meditate, then you should meditate an hour. Um, I'm giving a class today on meditation for people in London, and I have that quote <laughs> in the class. There's another one, like, if you can't find 15 minutes a day to meditate, then you're you're too busy. You've got too much going on. So we can say, if you can't find time to chant your rounds, you've got too much. You have too much going on. I was reading yesterday, the day before, a presentation a devotee made on Varnashram. And there's many things you can say about Varnashram and many things are said about it. But what I picked up from this particular, or one of the, the main things that struck me, which may not have been, haven't, it may not have been his intent that it would strike us so hard or deeply, but what struck me was how much Prabhupada did not want us to be part of a culture in which we have to work like asses because he felt that those long hours of working were destructive because we need time for our spiritual life. 
So it's not only, also not only long hours, but just the nature of the occupation that could be so hellish, and so difficult. Uh, that we have to suffer through that. And then when you suffer like that, you're more inclined to sense gratification, to relieve yourself. So it becomes degrading. But for us, particularly as devotees, just you know, being dependent on electricity, being dependent on this and that, that you need so much money. You live in big cities, you have jobs that are demeaning your spiritual demeaning your spirituality spiritually. And so he preferred that we live away from all that. It would be best for our spiritual life. So what well, to speak of fifteen minutes to meditate. And Prabhupada used to say, you know, what's the problem, Jenny? 16 rounds, it only takes two hours. Now our lives are so crazy, we can't find two hours. Right? Now I may do something revolutionary today, actually end early. I don't think I've ever done that. Whoops, question. I may not be able to do it. <laughs> We'll see. We have four minutes. We have three minutes, 59 seconds to see if I end early. Christy says, I started to prioritize sadhana and japa on top of it all and do the rest only with the time left, even if it means leaving some job task unfinished. Makes a huge difference and I don't stress anymore how to have time for all. Krishna will give you time. You just like do what Krishna does. Krishna will make time for you. Okay, so so we will see you if you want to join us in an hour and a half. Too late to ignore your comment. <laughs> I beat you to it. Um, no, it was a good comment. So in an hour and a half approximately, we're going to have a japa session. You're all welcome. We'll see you there. Now I can only see little pictures of you in the chat that are so small. Even if I make them bigger, I'm going to make bigger one bigger. See what I see? It's just nothing. It doesn't get bigger. So it asked me to leave the page. I guess it goes to your profile. Thinking of scrolling over it. Mm. Testing, yeah. Scroll over it, I could see it a little bit. Okay. Some of your pictures are so small, I can't see you. But it's nice, I can scroll over. Why don't you put a big picture of your face that takes up the whole circle? Then when I scroll over it, I can see you. These pictures like Radhapriya, you're so far back in the picture, you can hardly see. But like Priyambada, yeah, see. Maybe you can all do this. You just scroll over the picture, and then it comes up. Priyambada, I can see really well. So I always ask devotees, you know, be personal. Put your picture on 
your Facebook is supposed to be Facebook, but no face. <laughs> Facebook, put your face, or your beautiful face, less of your beautiful body. Then we can see it more clearly. Yeah. Okay, so all of you are going to blow your picture up, right? Victoria, you have to make it bigger. Because it's so small when I scroll over it. I, I, I'd, love to, I'd love to be able to see people when I'm giving class. Yeah, I can't see you on Krush. It's too small. Okay. Show your lotus face in its full glory so we can see it. <laughs> That's my final request. Okay, Hare Krishna. Jai Sri the Prabhupada. Then I have to do the same thing. How did I get that picture there? That's my profile picture from seven years ago. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. All right. Srila Prabhupada Gijay. And we'll see you all later. Hare Krishna.